about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show podcast powered by CRTV here on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. By the way, our very first episode on Monday made it into the top 30 on iTunes. So we thank you so much for that. We've got numerous notes from uh, people around the country. It's good to hear your voice again. Well, it's good to be back with you again. And we want to thank the powers that be at CRTV for making that possible. You can also let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Todd and Aaron are here with us. Last name, by the way, spelled D-E-A-C-E. We just finished a TV show today that uh, I, I think the audience, if you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV and you can use that promo code DACE, you get a free trial so you can check us out. And if you don't like it, just hit the eject. If we haven't earned your money, hey, you get to make that call. We believe in the power of the individual uh, here at CRTV. So use that promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, get the discounted subscription. We also, some of you have asked me over the years or over the months, uh, do we uh, offer a monthly option? We do. Uh, you can just try this monthly for 10 bucks a month. Uh, our show, Levin, uh, Michelle Mockin, Stephen Crowder, the whole team here at CRTV. And again, you can back out anytime you want. Use promo code DACE. Today's TV show, though, um, just a quick little tease, gentlemen. I think people are going to find it very uplifting, very inspiring, very, as Joel Osteen would say, Aaron, very hope-filled. Very hope-filled. Indeed. Uh, uplifting and hope-filled. Um, you know, it <laughs> It is. It, it's. It left me uh, smiling, and um, really, you, you know, who who needs who needs drugs when you can listen to the Steve Day Show? I have so much dopamine uh, going through my system right now, uh, just because of um, what you just what you just described. Anytime Daniel Horowitz comes along. Um, and any time we talk about going back into Afghanistan, you know it's going to be a really hopeful show. Yes, you will end up wondering, why Why does Bette Midler's Wind Beneath My Wings keep coming into my head after you listen to it, during the time you're listening to it? It is a tour de force, powerful. And, of course, we're joined by our tour guide when it comes to being optimistic and hope-filled, our weekly prophet of lamentation, and now woe. We've added woe uh, to his moniker. That would be Daniel Horowitz from Conservative Review. And also, um, today's fake news or not, There is a clip of a high-ranking member of U.S. government impersonating a political prisoner in Pyongyang. Is that a good description, do you think? It's a true story. It's a true story, bro. You're not even even stretching. No, while one of America's best-known pastors stands behind him and claps like a seal, right? Am I making this up? No. I'm not making it up. I'm trying to hold back the tears. You can watch this for yourself today right here on CRTV.com. All right, let's get going with Worldview Wednesday. I personally believe... Elitism. Marxism. Atheist. Government intervention. Secular humanist. Liberals and conservatives. Materialism. Nihilism. U.S. Americans. Christian. Globalist. Socialist. Democracy. Worldview, as the word suggests, is how we look at the world around us. How do we understand 
life as it hits us in the face. Libertarian. Tea Partier. The free market. Nobody is without a worldview. The only question is, is it a good one or a bad one? So it becomes the glasses, the spectacles, the filter through which they're actually seeing life. And the whole universe and the world and human life is understood through that lens. This is Steve Dace. And this is your college philosophy class via podcast known as Worldview Wednesday when we delve a little bit deeper into the various worldviews that are in conflict that are contrasting, that clash, which lead to uh, the debates and the issues we discuss in our culture each and every day. And we have been going back through my 2014 book in this Worldview Wednesday series. We've been going back through my 2014 book, Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again, which is a compilation of everything up until this point I've learned in politics to do based off of what I've learned not to do. And we're going back through it because we thought it would be an interesting intellectual exercise, gentlemen, to reapply this this framework to the environment we're in now of just, it's a land of confusion, Genesis. Yeah, yeah, by interesting you mean nobody's learned a darn thing. (laughs) Did anybody read this? What's wrong with you people? Oh, lots of people read it. There are several people, big names, that endorsed this book. I would like to go back to them, not mentioning any names, President of the United States. I'd like to go back to them. Did you understand the words that were coming out of my mouth? English, do you speak it? Because repeal Obamacare did not mean keep it. Lock her up did not mean she's had enough. All right? An end to endless war did not mean endless war. It's not what it meant. We will accept all the premises, bigly, hugely. (laughs) Accept them, face value, never question. Oops, I did it again, Britney Spears. And I ask again, is there a national sports talk radio network hiring now? I'm asking for a friend. Steve, James, ah, sorry, your middle name disqualifies you. Must have room for a couple toadies to come along. That's that's the only caveat. So now that Aaron has just completely blown up the entire plan and rundown for this podcast by telling the truth, frankly, um, let's let's awkwardly segue back to where I was. Let's pretend we actually do have a chance here on the Cleveland Browns podcast. Road to the Super Bowl. <laughs> It's funny because it's true. <laughs> oh, gosh, we suck at this. We just We suck. laugh because it's better than hurting. <laughs> Tears of a clown, brother. <laughs> Tears of a clown, Smokey. All right. So we've been going back through my Ten Commandments of Political Warfare and applying them to this rather um, interesting environment in which we now find ourselves, right? What's the, what's the homeschool cliche when one of the kids goes off on moral rebellion? We're building our testimony. Our child is building our testimony oh, right now. right. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's what we're doing right now in America. We are building our testimony. That's what we're doing. Building our testimony. How we came back. How we came back. <laughs> You're really connecting the homeschool environment to this thing? I'm, try, I'm trying to connect something with anything at this point. <laughs> we're still saved. We're just backslidden. Yes. Is bit. there a <laughs> Anybody have an available car battery that's single, maybe? Free on Friday night. So, commandment number four. Never surrender the moral high ground. 
didn't we just get done talking about the turds the last couple of weeks are a little bit better than you know the uh, the turds that have been laid yes uh, a couple of questions uh what's moral and what's high ground um high grounds in colorado and we and everyone now moral is what is wise in your eyes have i answered those questions fair for enough you? fair enough because that ain't the truth but right about now it'd be our truth tommy that'd be our truth and man we are standing in it we are kneeling in it we are bathing in it we are marinating in it we're getting it all over ourselves we love us some of our truth right about now we love me some me that's america right now love me some me okay I opened up this chapter with an illustration. I want to read it to you guys and get your reaction now, four years later. Ready? The charismatic preacher approaches the podium. The crowd eagerly anticipates his words of inspiration. Inwardly, they know their cause is just, but the external resolve needs one more proverbial boost of confidence from their leader before they carry on the fight for civil rights against discrimination and oppression. Anxiously awaiting their marching orders, they're stunned to hear their their leaders say the following words. Ladies and gentlemen, we know it is wicked and evil for a man created in the image of God to oppress his fellow image bearer just because the color of his skin is different. We know that our Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal, which means we are all made in the image of Creator God and are guaranteed freedom thusly. However, the courts have ruled in Dred Scott that we see that we are property after all, and in Plessy versus Ferguson that separate but equal is the law of the land. Given that, until we control a majority of justices on the U.S. Supreme Court, we'll never be able to have civil rights. So in the meantime, we have to take the best deal that we can get. That's why today I'm urging you to back legislation that will stop the lynchings of the elderly. At the very least, we can stop late-term discrimination. When even some vicious racists oppose the lynching of the infirm. We can't stop all discrimination, but half a loaf is better than none. Besides, the person who believes in equality 80% of the time isn't a 20% racist. Better than Hillary. Those words, exactly. Is that what you got out of that? Yes. Aaron, what did you get out of that? Uh, We're screwed, uh, number one. Uh, Number two, uh, if if it's not that explicitly, those conversations have already been had, and they were had a long time ago. Okay, implicitly or um, under the radar or uh, subconsciously, that's what I'm trying to say. Subconsciously, a lot of people claiming to be conservative had that conversation with themselves a long time ago and decided just exactly what you articulated in that passage. Hearing that, in all seriousness, I mean, there are parts of this book, and we talked about this right out of the gate, and I asked you this a long time ago as well, your sense of its ability to resonate now, and I think you've changed about that from the time I asked you that question uh, to right now. And it's when you are being, uh, uh, just doing regular raw analysis that it just seems clear that there are no ears to hear. But that's, this was more, if you will, a parable. Mm-hmm. And that's 
It's no. That's not what knowing, Christ not uses. Not knowing everything was. I, I, not, I, wrote, yes. I wrote this parable to head off, and I used a crazy example. What's the old? What's the old Rush Limbaugh line? Using of the the absurd to to illustrate absurdity, right? Or using absurdity to mm, illustrate right. the absurd. I, I used an extreme example. Uh, thinking, hoping that you know, one day we could avoid going exactly where we yes where we went. But and that's what that's what the Lord says. Well, why why are you speaking in parables? And the to paraphrase the Lord, if I if I may, he basically says, "Well, you're dumb sheep. This is the only way I can talk to you people." So this is where we live. I mean, I, I this is why I also say all the time we are living in the time of the prophets. Uh, that right there is is biblical communication right there it is telling a, a a story that is and it's very much the the way much of the bible uh is written certainly parts of, of genesis in my estimation the most f- fundamental of truths are being as pr- profoundly spoken as they could possibly be without there being a literal truth popping out to you on the page. That's not necessary. We are actually t- t- we are beyond uh, the literal. We are into the paradoxical. Uh, we are into the sublime. We are into the heart of the cosmos here. It's strange. It's, and as, as ridiculous as this culture he lives in, it, it is as close to a biblical time as, as there has ever been because when we are this fallen, when we are this confused, that is when God's miracles are the most abundant and the most necessary. Hmm. I don't think... I, what I'm going to say right now, I'm not happy to say. Breaks my heart to say it, actually. Like, you know, when, you've, when your children do something really bad, you warned them not to do, and you can't even get mad, Right. You know what I'm saying, Todd? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was the ad that Nike ran after the Tiger Woods scandal broke where they went back and got his father talking to him as a child? Yeah, I got tape of his father saying, son, what what are you doing? Mm -hmm. What I'm about to say is in that vein. That's why I can't even... I I can get cynical and sarcastic about virtually anything. Okay? But I can't muster it right now. Because this is a realization that I, I, I hate to have to make. But I think it's true. And you guys are welcome to talk me out of it after I say this, okay? Because I, frankly, I'd, I'd, I'd like it if you could. If you can't, that's all right. Um, I'll just start cutting myself. But if you, if you could talk me out of this, I would appreciate it. I don't think this commandment's relevant anymore. I don't. I, I, I think when we just went through a campaign where, what, 25 people ran for president in the two major parties? Or at least were bandied about publicly and acted as if they were can- candidates, even if they didn't officially declare, over a two-year process. That's how, I mean, essentially the, the Republican and Democratic primaries began the day after the 2014 election. So we had a two-year primary. About 25 people ran in both major parties. I think combined, we had the highest primary turnout in the two parties we've ever had in terms of total votes cast. 
We've had more media exposure of these candidates than ever before. More vetting of these candidates than ever before in history because we have the technology to do it. Something like 80% of Americans have a Facebook wall. 30% of Americans have a Twitter account. That's not even counting how many people have satellite, cable, television news at their disposal. Their phones. And we came out of that two-year grueling process. And we came out of it with everybody agreeing the country's on the wrong... I mean, People are, are lamenting that, you know, right now under Trump, 30% of Americans think the country's on the right track. Some of those years under Obama, that number was as low as 17 or 18. But 75% of Americans thinking the country's on the wrong track means a lot of people that didn't, that didn't agree with each other on who to vote for in November of last year agreed this, whatever this is, is not sustainable. They may not have agreed who's at fault for it or what to do next, but they at least agreed this isn't a sustainable civilization, what's happening here. And yet, despite that existential angst, despite that vetting, despite that exposure, despite the high volume of people who voted, at the end of the primary process, the country decided the choices to, def- to lead us at this broken moment were a con man and a would-be ex-con. And I think now you sense where, where my midlife crisis level of existential angst is coming from because this commandment right here has been my driving force since my career began. We have the moral high ground. Use it to our advantage. First of all, militarily, who typically wins a battle? People on the low ground, people on the high ground. High ground. The people on the high ground do. So there's a tactical aspect of it here. Then when you're saying you have the moral high ground, what are you saying? That you have the proper tactical advantage. That you're just, this isn't purely now a tactical exercise, but it is one of principle. The laws of nature and nature yes, of God. Yes, one of virtue, one of honor. It's a war worth fighting. And, and all of my career has been built around this one commandment. In fact, if I would have written this book when I first started, it wouldn't have been Never Trust Republicrats. wouldn't have been commandment number one because I didn't know what a Republicrat was. I learned that the hard way. I thought there were rhinos in us. I didn't know there was anything in between. I would have started off with this. We give up the moral high ground all the time on what we believe when we're right. And I would have said that's why I came up with the rest of these tactics so that we could argue and do what we acknowledge is right. This, this one would have been the Genesis commandment. But over the course of my career, I learned I had to slide this one further down the, the priority list because we were making so many mistakes elsewhere. Now I'm not sure it would, if I did this book right now, I'm not sure it would even be on the list. I'm not sure it'd be on my, in my mind's eye to contemplate putting it on the list. Because I don't think there's any audience for a moral high ground at all. In, in relationship to the audience, whether they have an R or a D or an I, that doesn't. We are, we are at the Alamo. Those of us who, want the, who, who think the goal is to capture the moral high ground are at the Alamo. 
Everyone else, right or left, who does not, is Santa Ana's army. You just saw this in the last week and a half with, with the left. Trump saying there were good people among the Nazis literally handed the left the, the highest moral high ground they've had in my lifetime. I mean, I sat there on that panel on HLN last week where I spoke for three, three, 30 seconds while I listened to other liberals and leftists cry, literally cry on the air. Because Trump had confirmed America really is this terrible racist place that he that we've been that he confirmed it for us. Remember, we even talked about this after I got off the yeah. air. Damn, he! I, what did I say to you guys when I got? He has literally just he's confirmed all the victimology that is their driving impulse of this worldview. He's been there. He's their unintentional Moses. He's their deliverer. You're right. We are victims. They are all bad. They had the highest, the most moral high ground they have had in my lifetime. And in 72 hours, what did they do? I uh, think we should take down the Jefferson Memorial. George Washington has to go. And um, this Asian guy whose name is Richard Lee can't do a game at the University of Virginia because his name or something. That was their response. I mean, Trump is out here trying to blow a presidency. Like, work with me, people. Work with me here. I'm trying. I'm trying to get out. I want out. You won't take it from him. He is actively out there lighting himself on fire. Hold my beer. And, it's, and then left response with hold my beer. Left's like, hold on. We, we, we can't grab that from you. We're giving ourselves chocolate swirlies right now in the non-gender determined locker room. Except it's not even bullies holding us down. We are just holding ourselves in there. Dropping deuces, grabbing our own selves by the back of our own hair, and flushing the toilet on ourselves. That's what we're doing. No one wants the moral high ground. They don't want it. I think this commandment's irrelevant. I think discussing it further, not relevant. Because it's nobody's goal. There's a remnant of people who that is their goal. I think, I think if Daniel, were, Daniel Horowitz were here with us right now, he would tell you this is the source of his lamentation and woe is this right here. He got into this for the same reasons. Why, do we, or why are we such good friends? We're kindred spirits. We got into this believing this was an existential cosmic battle. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe it's Mayweather McGregor. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's nothing. It's a preseason football game. <laughs> it's maybe what it is. So tell me I'm wrong. Because I, I'm admit I'm in a weak point right now. I'm just I'm just gonna I'm always gonna be honest with the audience. I've always been honest with you guys. I am at a weak point right now. I, I'm, I'm just at that midlife crisis mode, man. So I want you to tell me I'm blowing this out of proportion that I really didn't waste 10 years of my life making enemies I didn't have to make if I'd done anything else for a living. But I did so because I thought it was worth the cause we were fighting for. But this commandment, the moral high ground, is one I have based my career on. And I just don't see that it's really what 
I mean, our platform has grown doing this. Shapiro's platform, and when I say our, I mean us specifically. Shapiro's platform has grown doing this. Name me some other people who, name me, you know, we often do that exercise of who's better off since they came into Trump's orbit before than they were after, right? Sure. Let's do it our, Let's do it from our side of the street for once. Should we sure. do that for, for Matt once? Matt Walsh, you're talking okay. about. Let, yeah, let's talk about people who, people who refuse to bow the knee to bail, whose market share and platform is better now than it was a year and a half ago. Who do you think that would be? Shapiro would be number one on the list, right? Would Walsh be on the list? Yeah. Okay, I'll put Matt Walsh, or there's two. Who else? Since, uh, since uh, what's, uh, what's your name on, on the blaze, Allie Stuckey, millennial conservative? Okay, and she's kind of just came out of nowhere in the last four yep. to six months. Yeah. yeah. It's not a long list. It's not a long list. In fact, you know what I think you're going to find is they all work at two or three entities. And that ain't a coincidence. I think you're going to find they all either work for uh, the Wilkes over at, at uh, the Daily Wire. They work here at CR. Or they work for Beck and the Blaze. Because those are three platforms that have the financial backing and the built-in audience to sustain whatever hit you would take on the other side for going down this road in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You couldn't start something independently. I love Eric Erickson to death. He built Red State into a freaking empire, man. A potent grassroots force. That was his baby. He's trying to do it again at the resurgent, and they've had some success. But see, he's trying to... He's try, it would be easier for him if he was doing this at a, an already established brand like Red State that had some built-in cachet. But trying to do this independently, new, is hard. I could not do this on my own without CR. Could not. We would get no notice. We would get suffocated. And the reason why that is true is because when most people say they want the truth, they don't. They want the truth they want to hear. When most people say, hey, I want you to call out sin, what they really mean is, accept mine. That's what they really mean. We have given up on integrity and character, corporately as a nation. And I think we've given up on it on the right, corporately as a movement. And just decided that, well, we can't beat the other guys with character and integrity when they have none, so we got to be like them to beat them. Except we have this notion, gentlemen, that our tactics are separate from our mission, and they're not. They're not. When your tactics undermine the moral high ground of your mission, they redefine your mission, Todd, do they not? Mm-hmm. They do. And so the mission, therefore, which you've essentially now said is, the goal is angering or defeating people who disagree with me. Not actually advancing what I believe. Because when you walk in, what you are really doing is a form of missionary work. When you walk into a foreign pagan community to introduce a new framework, a new paradigm, a new ideology... The number one thing you have to do is establish integrity and honor with the culture you're dealing with. If they don't believe you're an honest broker, man, they're going to slit your throat or cast you out. And then if they do believe that, they still might do it. But that's your only chance to actually convert them in the end. 
But I don't think we want to convert people anymore. I don't. I don't think we want to win or we have defined winning as whatever agitates people who literally have right now no power to stop me at all. You know, Trump goes out there at that rally last night. I don't even pay attention when he says anymore because I know he's just pretending to be a bad. I mean, he goes out to Arizona, doesn't say a damn word about Jeff Flake, and then tweets about him this morning. If that's not a dude that's code freaking. violation, if that's not a move, a punk move, then I don't know what is, man. The kid who did stuff like that, when I, well, we didn't have Twitter, but if you pulled a stunt like that, you'd be the kid getting the, you're not the badass, you're the kid getting the swirly in the locker room before practice, all right? You go to a dude's home turf and don't say a word about him, and then you tweet about him later in the morning? Come on, man. That ain't a badass. That's an ass. That's a punk move. Punk. Punk. That's why he surrounds himself with all these generals. That's why he loves him some Putin. Because he knows he's not a badass. So he wants to surround himself. He's, he admires people that with certain titles or certain actions that he think, thinks exhibit that or mean that. He's not really comfortable in his own masculine skin. Because I'd love it if he did all that stuff he says at his rallies. That's what's different from us and most of his critics in the, on the right. I don't have a problem. I mean, I don't approve of grab him by the hoo-ha. I don't approve of that. But like, you know, we're going to build a wall. I don't. Yeah. Because I was advocating all these things while he was still cutting checks to Democrats and establishment Republicans who opposed us for doing it. I just don't believe he'll do any of it. He'll go right back to the swamp. Endless Muslim war. No wall. No Obamacare stays. Am I wrong? No. No, but you know what? Because you think Brian Stelter at CNN is a hack, which may be true. I don't know. Frankly, I don't know anything about the guy other than the one day I was on his show a month ago or two after the Scalise shooting. And I went on there to earnestly try and defuse things with Sally Khan, who then turned around a week later and accused Paul Ryan of a 50-state killing spree. So there you have it. But I don't, I don't watch most of these networks like at all. I don't know really much at all what goes on there except for the clips that get shared. And nowadays, there's the way they're edited. I don't even know if I can trust those now. Dan Gaynor, who's a really good guy that I've known Dan for years at Media Research Center, said CNN is essentially a bunch of whack jobs shouting Trump surrounding a few legitimate journalists. Well, you know what? Dan's right because that's the entire media, right to left and left to right. Preach. That's true at Fox. You have a few legitimate journalists there surrounded by a bunch of people yelling Trump. Now, they might be yelling for different reasons, but that's the entire damn media, guys. Entire media. Except for a few of the places that we've already mentioned here. And others that are trying to carve out their own independent niche, like the resurgent, around this sea of moral pea soup. So this is where you guys step in and say, Steve, you're completely wrong. This is a temporary moment. Don't lose faith. It's always been about the moral high ground. And at some point, when people realize that this whole time of the judges thing doesn't work, they're going to they're gonna come back to their senses. Because I don't see that, but I'd like to, Todd. Well, th- there will. There's never a time where the 
high ground isn't ultimately the issue. But you, I think you just answered your own question. The time of the judges, we're, we're going to be, we have to change our paradigm. We have to live under a new covenant in terms of yep. what that looks like. And that means the sacrifice is going to get bigger. We had time of the judges. We had the law. Uh, we're, we are going to have to bleed more now. Now is going to be the sacrifice of the Lord himself, the greatest love is to just lay down a life for our friends. I don't know how that's going to look like. I talk all the time. I don't I don't have the answer to now for the modern fitting of the paradigm we need. Um, but it, at the very least, we need to extricate ourselves from politics uh, as we know it. Not, not that we're not involved, but we just simply can't participate it, with it in the uh, same way anymore. And also, as far as has all this time been wasted, that absolutely... Not And I think you know this for the same reasons I know that. Do I despair? Absolutely. But because I spare, because God shined his light on me, and I know the difference between the light and the darkness. And that knowledge of that sometimes feels like despair, but it is a grace that has been given me. Do I have fear? Yes, because I love my family so much, and I cannot stand the thought of what I'm handing over to my four daughters. But... I have that fear because God gave me my family, a family to protect, to instill with wisdom, uh, to teach how to uh, worship. And uh, do I have anger? Oh, yes, do I have anger? But I, after getting released uh, by the Des Moines Register in a ridiculous way where my career was not allowed to advance while as much younger me were allowed to, right as I was released, here was this job. Just opening up with the right timing from my longtime friend Steve Dace, but he couldn't have given me this job five years ago, ten years ago. It was right then. So yes, do I have anger? But I have this voice now, this platform, where I can say my anger in righteousness and in truth. So was that time wasted? No. It has given us all that we need to be the people we need to be here and now, and God bless for that. Yeah, I well said, Todd. Um, when everybody's wise in their own eyes, nobody is. When everybody does what's right in their own eyes, nobody does. Um, in that respect, looking at it from a purely temporal lens, yeah, sure, moral high ground, that's not relevant anymore. But Todd was actually or absolutely right. He hit the nail on the head when he said, we have to look at this through a different lens. And as I alluded to at the end of the TV show today, and if you're listening to this free podcast, you should go watch it as well. Um, God will not be mocked. As depressing as things will get, and as they are, and as um, maybe as um, undignified as an end as the prophets sometimes had, and as we may be heading for, God's got the final victory. I mean, we already know that. That's not an excuse to be, um, uh, to just sit back and watch the world burn. In fact, that should be our, that should spur us on to standing what for, uh, to standing for what needs to be said and saying what needs to be said. So the more, um, the more subjective morality becomes in a culture, the, the, the more we actually need to actually stand for what needs to be and say what needs to be said. 
Well said, both of you. That'll wrap it up for today's podcast. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Don't forget to check out the TV show today. Promo code DACE over at CRTV.com. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.